Hey everyone, and welcome to Be The Leader You Deserve podcast, where our mission is to inspire you to ask yourself, are you the leader you deserve? Hi, I'm Jill Handley. And I'm Laura Donnelly. And this is season three, episode 10, the grand finale of season three, the top 10 takeaways from season three to avoid teacher burnout. So this season, you've heard us talk about um, teacher burnout and with some really startling statistics that approximately 40% of teachers leave the profession within the first five years. I'm still startled by that statistic, to be honest with you. And that's within a typical brick and mortar setting. And so this season, we've been sharing some strategies for ways to combat teacher burnout that will help you make sure that your school doesn't fall prey to those statistics. So we all know that in 2020, our nation began to experience multiple pandemics. And as a result, our teachers were expected to journey to uncharted territory of the online teaching and learning. In today's episode, we are going to highlight our top 10 strategies and takeaways for combating teacher burnout that we, we featured earlier in the season to make sure that you, your highly effective teachers continue to feel appreciated and supported and they don't become burned out. So those started link statistics again. About half a million, so 15% of teach, U.S. teachers leave the profession every single year. More than 41% of teachers leave the profession within five years of starting, and teacher attrition has risen significantly over the last two decades. TNTP, formerly the New Teacher Project, reported almost 66% of the nation's best teachers continue to leave the profession for careers elsewhere. So, obviously, there's so much work to do with combating teacher burnout. So, um, our top 10 takeaways from this season... Number one, one of the most important things that we felt like really helps to combat teachers' burnout is starting with your why. So um, if you have not reconnected to your why in a long time, if you heard that and you thought, yeah, yeah, I hear that all the time, reconnect to your why. If you haven't really and truly done it and done it with your staff, now is the time. Reconnect with your why because it reignites your passion for doing what you do. All right, top takeaway number two, and by the way, these are in no particular order. And this, uh, we talked about this in episode two, is the master schedule. If you are not in charge of the master schedule or overseeing someone on your administrative team to put together a master schedule, you've got to start doing that tomorrow. If teachers are making all of their own schedules willy-nilly, I have no idea how in the world things are going on effectively in your building with collaboration. Well, and they're not intentional. Let's just say that. No, because everybody, let's face it, everybody creates their own schedule for what's best for their own classroom, as they should. The reason why it's important is because as the principal or the assistant principal or the instructional coach, whatever leadership role, you or the counselor, I know especially in high school, lots of counselors are in charge of master schedules. If you are not in charge of that, then there is no intentionality going on with that. And we have to make sure, remember, we get that that bird's eye view. We have the luxury of seeing things from the top and seeing all the intricacies. And that's why creating a master schedule that really in our building starts with ECE and ESL schedules to ensure that all the students are getting their needs met, um, to ensure those collaborative opportunities. Make sure you do start doing that tomorrow. The game changer. Biggest game changer you will implement. 
The third takeaway um, is have an effective MTSS system or RTI, whatever your current system is called, to provide proactive supports for students. So it's reactive strategies are not helping in the long run, right? You've put out this fire and that's fine for now, but having those proactive supports for students in classrooms, so having a team that gets together, um, we, we get together bi-weekly. It's um, myself as the counselor, our MTSS lead uh, person, um, a, a mental health practitioner, a behavior coach, our family resource coordinator, all of those people that get together to say, these are the things that are happening. How, how can we proactively implement supports for the teacher and for the student? Um, all of those things are such a big game changer when it comes to teacher burnout, because if you're constantly putting out fires, you're going to get burned out quick. Well, and particularly as it, like Laura was talking about, it relates to behavior. I think there are lots of schools that do a really great job in this area with academics because let's face it, we have all these data points that we can um, you know, triangulate to be effective with our academic interventions. Behaviors are no different, and particularly after coming back um, from a pandemic. Our kids are just now coming back. We've only been back a few weeks. So, uh, we wanna make sure, you know, they've experienced lots of trauma. We wanna make sure that we are putting things in place that are, like Laura said, proactive instead of reactive. If you are the person and a lot of assistant principals, counselors are dealing with behavior on the daily, you're going home exhausted. Stop it. Stop it right now. Put these proactive measures in place that are data-driven to make sure that students feel supported, teaching those replacement behaviors so that they're more successful and you're going home less exhausted. And the other thing to remember is that just because you put in proactive supports doesn't mean things are going to change immediately you have to give them some time. So don't try something and abandon it the next day because, well, that didn't fix the behavior. Without implementing it with fidelity over time, you don't really know. So don't abandon something just because it didn't work immediately. All right, our next takeaway came from episode three and that's clear communication. So um, we've, we talked about that one of the biggest ways that we get a lot of turmoil and toxicity in a building is when the communication is not clear. One team thinks you said something else. Another team didn't know about the assembly. Next thing you know, what the faculty meeting is today, I thought it was canceled. Nothing upsets people more than when there's poor communication going on. And so we want to make sure, we talked about if you um, went back to season, to episode three, you would hear kind of some of the specifics of recommendations that we have after what to put in your communication. But some big things are just being consistent with it and varying your format. Not everyone likes to read a newsletter. Some people like to hear it um, maybe on a a screencastify. Um, so, so just think about how some people like to watch you in a video. So really just kind of change that up a little bit just to ensure that you're communicating in, in the same message, but maybe in multiple modalities. And also it's important to have clear communication across the admin team as well. So um, when one, when a teacher talks to the principal, she doesn't get one message and then she talks to the assistant principal about the same thing and they're on completely different pages. It's important that you're, con you're consistent across the admin team as well, not just from the top down. Really good point there. Um, our fourth takeaway was, I'm sorry, our fifth takeaway was the living calendar. And that was in episode three as well. Our living calendar is something we live and die by because 
it is updated all the time and anything that's happening goes on that so the building everyone is constantly on the same page if there's something happening in the building we all know about it um, it's also fun just to celebrate milestones too right because we put our personal birthdays on there um, there are so many things that are linked to the living calendar that it, it really is the hub of everything that we do yeah and then um you know it, it helps your future planning too Pretty soon, um, we will be starting next year's living calendar because mm -hmm. we've already got things in place or in plans for next year. I know that's really hard to believe because we're only in um, March right now. To think about, you're already doing next year's living calendar? Absolutely. Remember, the other purpose of the living calendar is to be intentional so that things don't overlap. Much like you never if you if you're a parent or you oversee someone who does homework how frustrated do you get when all of their teachers give homework on the same night and your kid has 3 hours of homework right well it's the same thing with adults who wants to plan the faculty meeting around the same day that the report cards are due which is the same you know the monday or the tuesday before parent teacher conferences we just want to be mindful of those things so that when you're intentional um making sure that things don't overlap and um that just that just helps with the morale of the building it also, usually by this point in March, we already have the living calendar done for the next year, <laughs> but because we have transitioned back to in-person on this hybrid schedule, we don't have that done yet. Um, but like Jill said, planning ahead is helps us to be so intentional. So we already have all of our fire drills schedule, scheduled for the following year. We already have all of our MTSS meetings that we were talking about earlier. All of those are plugged in. Our meetings with school psychologists, our PLCs, what day is going to be reading, what day is going to be math. For the entire year. Um, we also have our professional development plan started. Um, we are working with a solution tree, shout out, um, consultant to help move our the the um, move our kids forward. And so as a result of that, we you know, they book up quickly too. So we've already gotten that on our calendar. So if you haven't started a living calendar for this year, it's not too late. But if you're like, eh, I'm not sure. Go ahead and get one started for next year. You will be really surprised how quickly that will fill up if you are intentional. You know, I can't tell you how many meetings I'll go to and I'll hear other administrators talking about like, hmm, I'm not sure what we're going to do for faculty meeting next week. What? How, how do you not know? You know, so, so this really, that will happen to you. If you don't make a plan for something, it will, it will happen for you. And, and, we, so just, and we don't like to waste anybody's time either. Exactly. <laughs> we so, don't have time for that. So systems and structures, you've heard us talk about how important those are. And this living calendar is a really critical piece of our structures. Absolutely. All right, so the next thing, um, and we talked about this in episode four, and you've heard us talk about this a lot, is appreciation. People need to feel appreciated. We know that beyond the teaching profession, in every profession, one of the top reasons why people leave a company is because they do not feel appreciated. And so in episode four, we talk about a couple of different ways that you can make your employees feel appreciated um, you know and the thing about it is is that I would I would kind of uh, kind of build in we didn't talk about this but I would say that this is where that 
um, self-care kind of doubles over a little bit because as the boss, we know sometimes it's really lonely. And so as you're so busy um, appreciating everyone else, which is our job, sometimes, you know, you need to build in that place to, to feel appreciated too. And that's, that's where that accountability partner comes in. You know, part of being accountable with one another is also holding one another up and giving them that at a girl, you know, great job. Um, so just make sure that, you know, when you're working on appreciation for your staff, that you've also kind of got a system built in to, um, to get that appreciation from, for yourself as well. Absolutely. Number seven uh, is take time to have fun. This was in episode five. And if you have already listened to that episode, you probably are aware by now we have a whole lot of fun and we try to as much as possible. The first thing that we often hear people say is we don't have time for that. And if you're one of those people, we're going to say again, you have to make time because having fun with your staff helps to build so many um, deeper relationships um, in so many facets between teams, between individuals, um, but also a cohesive unit because as you're working together to accomplish whatever it is that you're doing and having so much fun doing it, um, those are memories that last and sometimes those relationships just in that one activity um, help to, to maintain over time. And we know how laughter just fuels the soul. Um, you know, and it, it, there's so many, laughter is the remedy for so many things. And, um, you know, we've all been through a lot. Fun is always great, but whether your school is still virtual or you're already back in person full time, or you're in a hybrid model, um, things are changing. And so people are having to get, you know, adjusted to that change. And so what better time to throw in a little bit of fun than the present? All right, we already talked about this a little bit. In fact, I feel like we talk about this one in every episode, but we talked extensively about it in episode six, six and that's promoting self-care. We cannot say that enough. Um, self-care, promoting that for your employees, but also for yourself. If, you know, if you've heard us say it once, you've heard us say it a hundred times, you can't pour from an empty cup. And self-care is so critical. It really is, and it's interesting because... Um... Typically, people who work in helping professions like education um, give so much to others that they neglect themselves. And it's funny because one of my leaders in the district as a counselor said, oh, um, somebody sent out an email about self-care and probably like most of you, it kind of rolled my eyes at first. (laughs) Then she stopped and said, don't judge me because I know probably all of you did that too. (laughs) But it's true as helping professionals we tend to neglect the self-care. And when you hear somebody self-care say self-care, maybe you roll your eyes too. And if that's you, that's fine. Um, but it's time to start pouring into your own cup because you cannot constantly give and still maintain that, that level of um, passion and spark that you have. Yeah, definitely in this profession of education, we all suffer from compassion fatigue. Like Laura said, we give and we give and we give. And, you know, and as the leaders, we give to our staff, we give to our students, we give to our families, the families of our students. And then, you know, making sure that we have a little bit to give to our own personal family. And then lots of times there's very little left, you know, and the other thing, and we talked about this with our staff the other day, and we've, we've clarified this before, but I think for some people, when they hear, hear self-care, they think, oh, I don't have time to work out. I'm not sure how self-care and exercise kind of all suddenly became synonymous for one another. While that's a way a lot of people um, 
employ self-care, it's not always that. Self-care means time for you to kind of unplug and do what you need to do. I know um, recently at one of our staff meetings, we were talking about this and someone talked about that what they like to do is get up an extra half an hour to an hour earlier, get their cup of coffee and literally just sit in the dark in the corner and just be. And so I thought, wow, that's so great. And they just talked about how much better their day went, the flow of the day. Um, everything just seemed to, to go at a slower pace. I thought, man, that's a great. I love a good cup of coffee in the morning and, you know, just, just being. So if you haven't taken a, a moment to just be recently, why don't you just give yourself, even if you're starting small, with five minutes. Absolutely. I think Jill and I can both attest to that. Just being is, it can be difficult, but it, it really and truly, if you have the opportunity to start your day that way, it makes it so much smoother. Our next takeaway, number nine, is work-life balance. Um, and I feel like people at this point uh, in our, in our um, school are probably sick of hearing us say work-life balance. <laughs> but we've, because we've been talking about it so much, I think the biggest thing that we took away from um, virtual learning was that work-life balance because we had so much more time at home, right? Like in the middle, in between meetings, you could go throw in a, a load of laundry and there's just so many more things that you could get done in a day working from home. And now that we're back in person, you don't, we don't necessarily have that time anymore. We have the time of travel now, um, to back and forth to work. Um, all of those extra things, the time to get up and get ready and be in a, a place dressed and ready by a certain time, right? So we're waking up whole hours earlier. There's so many things that make it more difficult now to have a work-life balance. So if that's you, go back to episode seven and listen to all of those strategies because being able to maintain a balance doesn't tip you over. There was a quote that one of our staff members shared um, that w- it was just so meaningful um, because it really put things into perspective for me about all of the different balls that we're constantly juggling and how they can that can affect us. Yeah, here it is. And I love that she shared this. This was unprompted. We were um, kind of all talking about some great things that, that happened to you over the pandemic, you know, when you were in, during teaching during non-traditional instruction, professionally, personally. Um, And we talked a little bit about how are you going to try to achieve work-life balance. And so unprompted on her own, she shared this quote by Gary Keller. It says, work is a rubber ball. If you drop it, it will bounce back. The other four balls, family, health, friends, and integrity are made of glass. If you drop one of these, it will be irrevocably scuffed, nicked, perhaps even shattered. And you could have heard a pin drop when she shared that with our staff because it did, it really hit home. Um, And so here's the thing about it, and you've heard Laura and I both talk about this. I'd love to say that balance looks like 50% of my time is at work and 50% of my time um, is with not work. Uh, But the truth of the matter is, it's not always that cut and dry. There are some days, you know, it's a 12, 13 hour work day, and there is very little home time that day. So when that happens, I'm trying to think about how can I make that up on another day. I think the biggest um, takeaway for us here is 
If you don't feel like you have that balance, start small. Even if it's a few minutes a day, even if it's one day a week that you're, you know, you're leaving leaving everything there. Our staff shared so many great strategies mm -hmm. of how they were going to try to start to implement the work-life balance. Um, and we, we shared several of those um, in episode seven as well. But Go back and listen to that one because that one's a game changer, particularly if you are just recently returning to work from being home, working from home for so long. One of my favorites that one of our staff members shared, um, and it didn't have to do with like that 50-50, it was just to be present wherever she was. So, and that is work-life balance, being present. So if I'm at work, I'm present there. And if I'm at home, I'm present there. Um, because then the two don't overlap, right? Because you're not thinking about other things. And I loved that one so much. That's su such a simple way to put mm -hmm. a, an effective work, effective work-life balance. And that's not as easy as it sounds. You mm -hmm. know, some of you might be thinking like, that's easy. No. What we mean is when you're home and your phone goes off, are you rushing to check it because it's email from work? then you're not fully present. So just, it's not, it's certainly not as easy mm -hmm. as it seems. So yeah, def I love that one too. And our final takeaway from um, the season that we thought was a great one was uh, coaching an individual time with teachers. And we talked about that in episode eight. We know the power of one-on-one -on -one time with students and giving that feedback and coaching them to improve their achievement. Adults are no different. Everyone, you know, strives to do the best they can. Everyone thrives off of feedback. So make sure that when you're working on your master schedule and your living calendar, that you're also scheduling time in there for you to have one-on-one -on -one time with all of your staff members. Um, and, you know, and, and we talked more specifically about episode eight, about the, t the type of things to focus on. But really, I think just that quality time, you know, many of the sessions that I spend with teachers you know, it's a balance. Some of it um, obviously is professional coaching, but then oftentimes, you know, they love having that one on time for you to, you know, kind of just listen and give some of that personal advice too. And plus it helps strengthen um, the relationship that you have with your staff and, and, you know, help invest in trust. So in addition to our top 10, um, as Laura mentioned, we've just recently gotten back into the building. And so we also wanted to share, because over this last year, in fact, since we started the podcast, mm -hmm. which is hard to believe, um, we've been working from home. And so we've just now gotten back into the building with kids in a hybrid model. And so we wanted to, we felt we'd be remiss without sharing some of our takeaways um, with you that we've learned over the last two weeks. So the thing that we did on our very first meeting back, um, typically the first teacher's day back, we all get into a circle and we um, say who we are, um, what our position is. Um, we also, like last year, we started with one word. So this year, what we did when we returned in person, we had everybody on our staff say their name, introduce um, themselves because we did have some new people that had joined our staff, their position. But then they also shared one thing that they had really enjoyed about NTI personally, something that a way that they had grown professionally, and then how they were going to try to maintain a work-life balance as we returned back in person. And it was interesting to hear people really reflect on that question because some people got up and said, I don't have any work-life balance. 
but then they'd hear more people and hopefully some people got an idea. And then my next wellness Wednesday was, okay, if you were one of those people that said, I don't have any work-life balance, you got to find something. So we, I listed out some strategies that people had shared, other strategies as well. And we're going to continue to challenge people to make sure that they're maintaining that work-life balance because as we transition back, like we said, we have those um, additional travel times now, waking up earlier to be in a certain place at a certain time, dressed and ready, um, in business casual or whatever that looks like right now. <laughs> but it's a change, and we've all got to maintain that work-life balance. And so one of the things we, you've heard us talk about again as leaders is always modeling. You know, good leaders typically kind of go first and try to lead the way. And so in addition to being intentional about knowing that those were the three questions we were going to ask everyone, you know, kind of I started off sharing how, you know, true story, I'm not the best at work-life balance and I'm the first one to admit that. But letting them know that I'm going to work on that and kind of shared my strategy of what I was going to do. In a previous episode, you've heard us talk about setting boundaries with people. And so essentially, you know, I was kind of reestablishing those boundaries. If you have an emergency, I'm always available for you, but I can no longer, I'm choosing to no longer be available 24 seven because that's not fair to my family. That's not fair to me personally. And so, and that will not allow me to achieve a work-life balance. So in addition to kind of establishing those boundaries with staff, which by the way is a healthy thing to do, I was also modeling that, okay, it's okay. It's Mm -hmm. okay for you to do that because I can't tell you how many teachers said, I've got parents who are texting me at 1130 at night and then I respond. I said, stop it. Stop it right now. Um, And so I think, you know, as leaders, when, when we kind of share our own personal story, that gives our staff a sense of permission to, to follow suit. Um, the other thing that we did was, you know, and if you haven't done this with your staff as well, is just that public public recognition that we're all different than we were a year ago. You know, if you look back to where you, I want you right now to think about where you were at a year ago, personally, professionally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I can assure you that at least one of those facets is different than the person you were a year ago. And we have to recognize that because if we think we're all going to fall back into the exact mode of where we left a year ago, then we're kind of setting ourselves up uh, for some disappointment. Well, and not only that, it was really interesting to watch our staff come back on that first day because some people who really um, are confident in the workplace, really strong leaders themselves, were really anxious about coming back. Um, and you could just read it in their energy. Um, and that's okay. That's an okay place to be. But recognizing that and meeting people where they are, not where you think they should be, is going to be critical as that transition happens. So give people time, it, it, especially in a transition such as this. The next thing that um, we've been really careful to do is not to fall into the rush of everything now that we're getting back to work. So if you have a few heavy days, make sure to try to balance those out with lighter days. And as Jill said, that's sometimes easier said than done. Um, but it's important, especially like this week, um, particularly there were a couple of, I've been doing home visits and there were a few particularly tough ones. When you have those heavier days, you have to balance them out with some lighter things. So when you get back to the building, if it's a certain classroom you love to go into, that's a little bit of balance, right? You just had something heavy. Go enjoy something else, another part of your job. 
Um, so not just finding balance between the work life, but between the heavy and the light in your building as well. That's a great idea, Laura. <clears throat> and so one of the ways that you've heard us talk about um, achieving that balance is scheduling your day. And I don't mean like, okay, I put this one thing on, I've got a dentist appointment in six months. I mean truly scheduling almost every minute of your day. And that sounds, um, you're gonna say, that sounds like very micromanagerial. That sounds like too type A, OCD for me. Here is what's going to happen. Your day is going to consume you if you let it. So you know there are things that you do on a daily that are kind of managerial type things, checking your emails, returning phone calls, whatever those things, you know you have to do them. Schedule time to do that. You know, personally, if you're a person who likes to, you know, spend some time with social media, schedule that. Give yourself permission for that. Because if not, you know, if whatever your self-care regimen is, schedule that. Because if not, you're, it'll pop up. So, you know, somebody will look at your calendar and say, hey, do you have time? Yep, I've got time. And then suddenly you've scheduled yourself for everybody else and no time for yourself. And then looking at your calendar, let's say if it's Sunday night, I always look at my calendar a week ahead and say, okay, what's coming up this week? I need to know, not only from a personal perspective, but a, a professional. Uh, my daughter plays lacrosse, and so I have to know what days her games are on. I'm back in school, so I've got you know classes. And that just helps me mentally prepare, helps me know, okay, what are we having for dinner each night? What do I need to get from the grocery? So really being intentional with your calendar can kind of sync all aspects of your life and make it feel like the flow is a lot easier. Absolutely. And like Jill said, if you don't schedule your day, your day will consume you. One of the th other things that we did before we transitioned back to um, in-person learning was um, in Wellness Wednesday, we sent out um, a journal uh, just in Google Slides, and we're going to put that link in the show notes so that you have a copy of it if you'd like to use as well to tweak whatever you'd like to do. Um, but just within that journal, there were some journal prompts that said things that I loved about NTI or virtual learning, things that I'm looking forward to when we return in person, things that I don't want to go back to normal, what can I be intentional about with my new normal, and then my favorite mantras that help me get through stressful times, just as a reminder so that people were already thinking about what is it that I want to change about my new normal and how am I going to get, how am I going to get through this? And so we've really shared a lot of great strategies as we're coming back. If you've already been back, you know there's a lot of excitement that stems around that with seeing in person your staff, um, seeing in person your kiddos. Uh, but one of the things that we want to be mindful of is being sensitive to your students and your staff who may be remaining virtual. We want to make sure that we're honoring their decision to stay virtual and not making it look like, only the fun is happening in the building. While lots of fun is happening in the building, we certainly want to honor and respect that that's still, those staff members are still a, a critical part of our culture. Those students are still a critical part of our culture. And so what we don't want to do is put so much emphasis on the return to in-person that we neglect or send the wrong message about those staying virtual. True story. I recorded a video um, to welcome our students back and I was going, Oh, we can't wait to see you in person, blah, blah, blah. And if you're staying virtual, we'll see you there too. But oh, if you're back, in, I, and I wasn't being intentional about it until a staff member brought up in one of our meetings that um, she'd noticed how sad some of the kids were that were staying virtual because they were afraid they were going to miss out on their friends. 
It's like, oh my gosh, I rewatched my video and I was like, well, what message am I sending? So it's just being really conscious and intentional with our own words as well. Because yes, people who made that decision didn't make it lightly. Um, and the teachers who are staying virtual, we need virtual teachers because kids are staying virtual. So just being mindful of that is so important. If you enjoyed this episode, the top 10 takeaways from season three to avoid teacher burnout, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of this post. We would love to know what you are doing to support your teachers during online or hybrid teaching. So send us a message on Twitter or tag us with your ideas using the hashtag be the leader you deserve. If this is your first episode, or if you have not listened to the entire first, second, and now third seasons, we would love to know what you think. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts to get automatic episode updates for our Be The Leader You Deserve. And don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to, uh, to give us more frequent updates, quotes, and inspiration to carry you through the week. Jill and I also post on our own personal accounts, so be sure to check those out as well. And finally, please take a minute to leave us an honest review and rating on Apple Podcasts. They really help us out when it comes to the ranking of the show, and we make it a point to read every single one of the reviews that we get. Have a great week, and don't forget to ask yourself, am I the leader I deserve, and what am I doing about it?